Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast with Nicolene Peck. Improving your life, uniting your family, changing the world. Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. I'm Nicolene Peck, and I'm joined here with my daughter, Paige Baumert. Hi, Paige. Hello. So Paige, today we are going to be talking about deepening your child's sense of identity. Yeah, who they really are inside. We're going to be talking about what you can do. We're going to share some concrete ideas, some activities that families can work on together so that their children have a firm grasp of who they really are. Not just not just what they like, the toys that are their favorite, but who they really are as a person. So anyway, we're going to do that. But Paige, we have some really exciting news today. I, <laughs> I didn't even ask you if we should share this, but super exciting news. Paige has some personal news with, which I think is super exciting. And then also we have a fun family activity that we need to share before we get into our topic today. Paige, you've got some news. There was like a little reveal that happened. (laughs) Uh, How about you tell us? Yes. So we just found out that this cute little baby I've been carrying and been talking about on here is a girl. (laughs) So excited. So excited. Like everybody's going crazy over it. Yes. As am I personally. Yes. So anyway, we get to look at all the girl clothes and all the fun things. The fun clothes anyway. Yeah. Well, there's, there's kind of cute on both sides, but yeah, (laughs) super fun. Okay. So let's talk about a family activity. And I think this family activity, you know, since we're talking about a new person coming into our family, so my first grandbaby, your first child, and you know, the next generation of people, something that we've always done in our family that has helped us maintain a good sense of identity which is a really fun family activity is we've gone to the graves over Mm -hmm. the years do you have memories of going to the graves anything that you might want to share yeah so we usually go to the graves every single year um usually around or on memorial day and it's fun because usually grandma and grandpa will come we'll all just kind of have a family gathering and grandma and grandpa will tell stories about their parents or their um, you know, siblings who died young, you know, we have one grandma who she had a brother who died, you know, just a few hours after he was born. And so she tells us about him. Obviously there's not much to tell, but (laughs) well, his situation, right? Like why, you know, his health condition and why it happened the way it happened. But yeah, I love hearing those stories. And we did like gravestone rubbings. We would take pieces of paper and crayons. That was especially when we were younger. But we would do um, etchings and rubbings of the headstones, which were really fun, too. Yeah. In fact, I remember with your husband, one of, well, he wasn't your husband yet. (laughs) um, But one of your dates that you went on, like, really shortly after getting engaged was actually coming to the graves with grandma and grandpa and everybody. And he kind of got introduced to our family through listening to stories at the graves. Yeah. Through family history, which is actually something he's kind of a, uh, he's a family history buff. He likes doing it. And he is actually, he assists people in our church with their family history as well. 
Yeah. Okay. So I love genealogy or as some people call it family history, same thing, same, same, um, you know, just depends on how you're used to referring to it, but there is a beautiful thing about that name family history. Mm-hmm. So family, cause it's like, what is the history of my family? Right. And looking back to those stories, it is so exciting. I have to say, I caught the genealogy bug when I was probably 13 years old, really intense. I was doing genealogy with my grandma and grandpa. This was when genealogy switched from being all in books to now all of a sudden there was woo fancy computer programs that you could use, you know, <laughs> and, and they weren't the best. They were certainly not ancestry.com or, you know, the things that we have now, but, mm-hmm. um, but that was, a fancy thing. And they, they wanted to take me with them to help them use computers. When they would go to the <laughs> genealogy center, they're like, Nicolene, come with us. And I started helping them on the computers, but I could not stop doing it. Mm-hmm. In fact, I ended up having some pretty profound experiences in my life just because I spent time searching out my relatives and trying to find, you know, and fix some of the problems that were in the family line and stuff like that with grandma and grandpa. And it just made me develop a love of history, just history in general, because Mm -hmm. of a family history. Yeah. I know when I was 16 or 15, 16, around that age, um, my scripture study group was doing a challenge with some of the other groups and like, okay, so whichever group can find the most amount of names in their family history and get them ready for certain things, then, you know, they're going to win a pizza. You know, I'm like, oh, I'm so down. I'm going to win because <laughs> I have a slight competitive edge myself. Um, but so I went home and I spent hours and hours and hours you know, finding people in my family and learning about these people and figuring out their names and what their lives were like. And not only did I have a blast, but I actually realized that while doing that, it helped me handle some problems that I was going with at the time or dealing with at the time. And I thought that was very profound, how just searching out family can helps so much in so many other areas of life. It's almost like you're saying, okay, I want a connection with all of those great people, those angels Mm -hmm. in my family, right? From the past. Um, Yeah, it's so exciting. Okay, so we have like jumped full into our topic (laughs) because our our fun family activity going to the graves together was like totally tied to our topic. So let's talk about self-government. Everything here at the Teaching Self-Government podcast relates to self-government and self-government is you understanding yourself, how you behave, how you think, what you value, who you are, and making plans for yourself so that you become the best version of you, which requires learning certain skills, like giving yourselves a no answer when you know you shouldn't be doing something because it's not going in the direction you want to go, or or giving yourself an instruction or correcting yourself when things aren't going right. And then learning how to communicate better with other people too, so that you can understand them even better. So that's self-government. And one of the keys of self-government is understanding your role. Mm -hmm. 
and who you are to the other people around you. So there's actually a class that I give. It's called the five keys of self-government. Actually, I think the old version is called the four keys of self-government. I can't remember exactly <laughs> what's still on the website. I know that in the teaching self-government course, it, there is the five keys of self-government. And one of those keys is roles. And I talk about, you know, do people really understand the role of mother? And I'm not talking about like, who makes the food. Okay. Cause anyone can make the food or wash the bathroom or, you know, do the laundry. Yeah. yeah <laughs> there it is. Anyone can do that kind of stuff. That's not a role. That's a responsibility that somebody decides to take on and it could relate to their role mm -hmm. because maybe if your role is nurture, well, make food seems to go with that. If there's hungry people around. Right. Yeah. Um, but our roles are deeper than just those little responsibilities. And we oftentimes don't think about that, but our roles relate to our identity. I oftentimes tell people that when I think of my role as mother, I think mother is the heart and hearthstone of the family. That's my identity. That is who I am. And how do I know what it means to be that heart and hearthstone of the family? How do I exemplify that? How do I magnify that particular role and because become the best version of it that I can? I mean, here, here you are, Paige, you're going into motherhood now mm -hmm. and I'm sure you can see, okay, there's certain things you want to magnify about yourself oh, to become sure. a great mother and other things you're probably like, Ooh, yeah, that, that one could get in the way. <laughs> that one might need to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's a maturing process. You weed For stuff sure. out, you know? Yeah. So anyway, um, the way that a person really centers in on their identity, and this is really important to recognize, is they find their role and identity through their family, mm -hmm. and their family leads them to like faith or like God, which then is another relationship that's really profound that helps them understand who they are in a greater sense, Yeah, you know, even bigger than this world has to offer. Right. And then who you are to your community, your family's tied to community, the way that they relate or serve in community helps you know who you are in a community, right. Of people. And then your nation, too. Mm -hmm. So your family, really, truly, your family is the group that helps you either love God or not, love your community or not, love your nation or not. Mm -hmm. So if a person does not have a good attachment with family, they lose their national identity, their community identity, their religious identity, and their family identity. So mm -hmm. then they're not going to even know who they are. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, and even some people I have, I have a friend who, uh, her family is kind of broken, but she's very strong in her faith and her and her husband and her, her cute kiddos are super tight. You know, they very much enjoy each other's company and they're there for each other all the time. Very strong family ties there, but the family she grew up in doesn't have that and didn't have that when she was growing up. And so I think it's interesting because she didn't necessarily find her identity in the family she grew up in, but she continues to find her identity in the family that she is creating. And I think that's really, really important as well, because not everyone has an ideal family situation. Oh, no, absolutely not. In fact, now more than ever, mm -hmm. people do not have the ideal family situation. But I think it's interesting that, you're, that you describe it as 
but she didn't really find her identity with her other family. So she was probably a little lost, right? Looking yeah. for no, that and, identity. Yeah. And me being her friend, I think it actually gave her a bit of direction because she, she still to this day, she'll call me and text me and she'll be like, Hey, so what about this? You know, what do you think about this? Or, okay, I need help with this. And she would ask me questions like that all the time when I was in my teen years. Um, and she, she's told me, she's like, I look up to you a lot. Um, you know, there's a lot of things I've learned from you and your family. And so now that she's got her own, you know, lovely husband and two little kiddos. Um, she's, she's make you know, she's made a lot more adult decisions and she's able to be more mature and think more maturely, um, because she knows what she wants to do and where she wants to go with her family. Whereas beforehand, it was just kind of like, okay, we're surviving <laughs> until we can get out on our own. <laughs> So it's, it's really interesting to see how people progress and mature in different situations. Yeah, totally. Well, and I think that's the biggest thing really that, that family bonding does do is it helps you mature. And what she's doing is she's saying, wait, who do I know I'm supposed to be? Maybe I didn't have the example. Maybe nobody showed me really, really good about the roles and stuff, but I see this other family who seems to have good family roles. They know who they are. They know their identity like you, right? Mm -hmm. You have a, a strong attachment to family and God and nation and community. And so she sees that and she recognizes that she wants that, Yeah, that that's important. And so she's starting to deliberately try to form that for herself. So that's awesome yeah. because she is adopting her role as mother, the person who is going to be foundational in creating a family culture that will hopefully stand the test of time and that will help her children not have the same problem mm -hmm. that she had yeah. by not really knowing who she was not having a strong sense of identity yeah and she's yeah. trying to do it with her siblings as well because she has some younger siblings who are still with parents and the parents are not together and not doing well and so she's like okay you know i'm trying to get my you know my sibling out of my dad's house for you know lots of reasons and i'm realizing i can do this and it's going to improve his life a whole lot better <laughs> And so I just, I was really proud of her because I've seen her, you know, throughout the years grow and mature. And I was just like, wow, she's doing good. She's doing really, really well. And she knows her role in her family, the one that she has with her husband and also her family that she grew up in. So, yeah, I think it's so neat. And so we can recognize maybe if we're not all the way there yet, no problem. Yeah keep going, right? Keep focusing on where you can go. So um, identity is about who a person is to the other people in their lives. That's an important thing to remember. So when a person loses touch with people, they mistakenly think that identity is about what they enjoy or prefer, like what's your favorite color or what do you want to be when you grow up or what, you know, that kind of stuff. But identity isn't about stuff or pleasure. It's about people. So that is a, 
that is a false construct that is fake identity and in fact asking questions to children all the time about what their favorite this or favorite that (laughs) almost leads them to think that who they are is a sum total of their preferences this is a consumer-based mindset that does not lead to true authentic identity if you think about it nowadays when you ask people so tell me a little bit about you they say, oh, I like this. Oh, I like this. Oh, I enjoy this. You know, my favorite such and such is this. You don't ever hear, oh, you know, I'm, I'm a mother. And, um, you know, this is my role in my household. And because people just aren't taught to think about that stuff or to present that as a form of, you know, communication or connection. Or even positive. Like people don't even yeah. present that as positive. Like, Oh, if I just say I'm a mother, like just, that's what always people, just Just a mother. It's like, oh my word, that's the most important thing you are like ever, (laughs) ever, ever, ever. And when you die, you'll be like, where are my children? Where are my grandchildren? Bring them to me. I mean, that like the most important thing about you ever. And we say just Mm -hmm. as if something else could ever be more important than your family connections, Mm -hmm. than your mother or your child or Mm -hmm. your sister or brother. I mean, those things are are enormous. Yeah, instead we focus on the worldly achievements that we have or the things that interest us. Yeah, how we look to other people, how we've climbed the the social ladder, right? And we think that's who makes us or that's how we become important or valuable to society where at the end of the day, our greatest value always happens because of our relationships. Well, if you think about it, in all honesty, when it comes to connections with other people that you're just meeting, you're, if you're both moms, mothers, there's always something to connect on with that when you talk about what you do as a mother and how you live your role. Plenty to connect on that. Whereas like sometimes you could say like, yeah, I enjoy cycling. The other person like, I enjoy eating ice cream. There is no connection there, you know? And so it's, I find it interesting that people don't feel the, the need or feel accepted enough to just open up and share those things. Okay. So here's the thing is that some people, and you, so you made me just think of this. So some people, one person may be like cycling, another person likes eating ice cream. This is two very extreme (laughs) differences. Okay. But let's say there's two people who like cycling and eat and the other one likes eating ice cream. So they might say we have nothing in common we can't be friends. We can't have a relationship because we have nothing in common. Mm -hmm. But what if it was, I like cycling, but I am a daughter, Mm -hmm. right? And I have a mother. Yeah. And then it'd be like, oh, me too. Right. Yeah. Okay. So let's say you like eating ice cream, but not cycling. And it seems like we have nothing in common, but you have a mother, Mm -hmm. right? And you have a family. Yeah. And you care about that family, just like I care about my family, or maybe even we're the same family. Maybe we're sisters, right? Maybe, maybe we're sisters, even though we don't do the same activities in our spare time, we cannot help but care about everything in each other's lives and support each other because of who we really are Mm -hmm. to each other. It has nothing to do with cycling or ice cream. (laughs) And I think that's a lot of like where women's gossip comes from you know because they gossip about all these things a lot of it is about like people in their life and I think they try to connect but sometimes it goes negative anyway but like take you and me for example I am your daughter you are also a daughter you know you are my mother 
I'm also almost a mother. You know, there's lots of things to connect there. You, however, were raised differently than you raised me, like very differently. And so it's interesting because we can talk about that. We can talk about those differences all day long. And we can see just how big of the difference was, but also how similar we are because you raised me. And so of course, like I'm your daughter. And so I'm, I tend to be like the people I was raised by, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) So my parents were really deliberate. Um, they, they did do deliberate things with their upbringing, with my upbringing, but I was more deliberate. Yeah, Uh, absolutely more deliberate. And there was one thing that I, well, okay. I, why do I say there was one? There's one I'm going to talk about right now, but there's like a whole bunch of other one things that I felt were important for my children. But right now I'm going to talk about one of those one things that I did deliberately. One of those things was I wanted my children to have an understanding of where they came from. I wanted them to know their history. Now my grandparents they were amazing at telling stories about the family and show, showing old pictures and all that kind of stuff. And my mother got into it a little bit, but it really was my grandparents. And I felt like I want to be like them. I mean, I love my mom and my dad and everything, but, but I wanted to be like my grandparents. I wanted to have that kind of focus, that long-term all the family is together and supporting that even vision. yeah from beyond the grave even in fact when i think about them i can't not think about their stories and and everything that they taught me about the family so i decided that a big part of your educational experience was going to be learning genealogy or family history that that was going to be huge in fact i wasn't going to miss it there was a time where quinn was getting very close to possibly starting college and i went oh you know what i I've never done that huge family history study unit that I wanted to do as a family. I'm like, we are doing it this year. And we spent a long time filling out different things for family history and also finding pictures and gathering information. But then we read stories too, the stories of our ancestors. We'd read like one a day because my grandmother and grandfather had (laughs) compiled these stories. So, and I wanted you guys to know who they were. So anyway, learning the stories and the travels of the people, this was something I wanted for you guys. And so I deliberately decided to take a year. I think we technically did it for like two years, Mm -hmm. but, and, and to learn this stuff. So we started with this simple guide, and this is a little gem that I'm going to be sharing with everybody. So I found these little books. They were Dover publications. If you know the old Dover coloring books, this was not a coloring book. It was more like a workbook, but these Dover publications, there was one called My Family Tree, Genealogy for Beginners, and it was by a woman named Rosemary A. Chorzempa. I think I pronounced that right. <laughs> Chorzempa. And this Rosemary Chorzempa created the best start to genealogy and family history. So there was like a page for you and you would put pictures about you and pictures of where you've lived in different places. And you go back to, you know, different spots where you've lived. And then you go to your siblings and to your parents and to your grandparents and to your great grandparents. And so you go back a number of generations and you track where everybody lived, you put in pictures. Now we expanded out of that book. 
So we ended up adding more pages of pictures and we started putting it in binders. But this was huge. So this is just one thing that you can do to help strengthen your child's identity. And there's other things that we can do too. So Paige, what other kinds of ideas do we have? So we have talked about, and we've also done, we've interviewed grandparents and, uh, you know, aunts and uncles and other elderly relatives that we've had. So maybe like great aunts or stuff like that. And we've said, hey, you know, so what what are some stories that have been very influential in your life from your family? And um, like, what is your, your testimony of your faith? Because I think that one's really important too. I love gathering those. Um, just because that, I, I don't know, it, it, it gives me a boost in my faith as well to hear those. But being able to hear those stories and get them recorded, um, they're, they're treasures to have, especially when that person passes away. And you can go back and listen to those things or, you know, read what you wrote down and just kind of relive that moment with them. And also relive that moment with maybe someone you never even knew. Yeah. So when you're talking about interviewing great aunts, so my great aunt, Evelyn, love her (laughs) anyway. And she is like such a little spitfire lady and she's just, she's in her eighties and you would just think she's like 50. Anyway, she's incredible. Yeah, I know, but she's like out taking care of horses and doing all this stuff. And you're like, oh my goodness. Anyway, but we would stop and see her at her ranch and she would tell us stories. And I remember one time we were visiting her at her ranch and, and she just all of a sudden started talking about her husband and when she met her husband and the story of their courtship and how they weren't the same faith and his journey to faith, because he'd already died. So he was a lot older than her. He was like 20 years older than her. And so she's been a widow for a long time anyway. But so I'd never heard this story, Mm -hmm. you know, and he was just such a faithful man. I had no idea that he had gone on such a faith journey, right. In his life and just what he did and how, and her role in it. And And I was like, wow, it just blows my mind. And no wonder they were such a strong couple because they went on such a beautiful journey together when it came to um, his faith. And anyway, it was just awesome. And then I think of, um, I think of another story. I mean, I have some humor stories. So, (laughs) so interviewing my grandma, I remember when I was a little girl, I interviewed grandma and we turned on a cassette tape recorder, wow. right? I know now you can just like hit the button on your cell phone. But anyway, I, I, we, it was cassette tape recorder. And I remember her telling this story of how her grandmother came from a different country and was living all of a sudden like with her and her grandma had never tasted ice cream before. You remember this one. <laughs> yeah, it was so funny. And they all happened to be gone one day. And they come home and grandma's like all depressed and they said, what, what's wrong? And she said, well, this person came by selling ice cream and I wanted to try it. (laughs) And she's like, and so I bought some and they put it in my bowl and she's like, but I tasted it and was so cold. It was freezing. (laughs) And she's like, so I warmed it up because it was so cold And she's like, and it's literally just milk with sugar in it. (laughs) Anyway, and she was just so disappointed. 
disappointed <laughs> that she, cause she's like, it's too cold to eat, you know? Yeah. And and I then, know. <laughs> like that's the point. It's supposed to be cold. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, and my, my dad he, uh, tells stories of, you know, his first little job when he was a little boy. And now he, he and his friends would go around, you know, door to door selling spud nuts for like, <laughs> I don't know, six cents or something. And it was maybe even less than that. It was like a, probably one penny for a spud nut, you know, at like a little donut hole kind of a thing. <laughs> anyway, and they would go around selling them to try to get money. And, you know, just hearing these little things, I, I'm like, wow. Yeah, no, that's, that's actually been my experience uh, as I've gotten to know my husband's family better and hearing about their story and because, you know, they, they got married when they were a little bit older, but um, my father-in-law, he was not of the same faith as my mother-in-law at the time when they met. And so, oh, and this was back in the time when they had like mullets, mullets were the rage. And I was like, oh my gosh, but um, <laughs> so he told us the story of his conversion to the same faith as his wife's and it's it was amazing because she was you know determined to have a certain kind of marriage and have things a certain way in her home spiritually and religiously and he realized that he couldn't live without her and so he's like okay well let's do it and so he you know converted to this other faith and his whole family is very, very staunch in their, in their faith. And so for him to convert over to this other faith was kind of like, whoa, what's going on? Um, but he, he felt that it was the right thing to do. And he is one of the most spiritual men I have ever met. And they are like, he and his wife are still so in love. It's actually really cute. <laughs> They're super cute together. They're a great match, um, but that that legacy and that story, um, that history has really kind of blended into my husband's life and how he views his faith and his religion um, and his marriage and uh huh and his marriage with me. Um, in fact, it's really cute and um, it it kind of gets me thinking at times because he is so cute with me. He he absolutely adores me and he is very strong in his faith. And he's like, okay, this is what I want to do with our family. This is what I want to do for me and my personal growth. And I, I just have to look up to him like, oh my goodness, my husband is amazing. And I would attribute most of that to the stories and the conviction that his father has. And I think that's so interesting. And it's so important to surround yourself with people that you want to be like, and that's a very big part of identity as well. Well, yeah. And those stories make you into something, you know, like I hear, um, I hear a story of my dad as a little boy selling spud nuts. And I think hard work, yeah. our family is hard work. We do that, you know, and, or, or I hear the story of my great uncle and his journey toward be, you know, instead of being this wild West cowboy to <laughs> this faithful man. And it's like, we believe we, that's what we are, that it's part of who we are, you know, is we're people who are, who are strongly connected to truth pride. and we want to find it, yeah. right? We want to find the truth. So super important. And then, and then what about grandma and the ice cream? I mean, okay, well, we are people that try new things. Okay. <laughs> we try new things. We might mess it up a little bit, but we try new things. And so I think, um, I think those stories, when you hear them, 
the, you can't help but go, that's me. That's who I am. I see some of myself in that, or I'm never going to be afraid to try a new thing. I'm never going to be afraid to question something and find more truth or, you know, whatever it happens to be. I mean, those are just three little tiny, tiny stories, but there's so many, I mean, and some of the tragedies, you know, that, that you study about, it's just incredible. You know, our ancestors truly, I mean, just living in different times, than we have lived in, they, they saw the world through a simpler lens. Mm -hmm. And so when you look back and you read their journals and their words and look at their pictures and read their obituaries, which sometimes aren't even spelled right, you know, and, (laughs) and stuff. And you think, you think, you know, life does not have to be so complicated right? If we can say, we can say, Hey, I'm a normal person with a normal loving family. And that is good. That mm-hmm. is good enough. I do not have to be the next Beyonce or whatever it is that people are always wanting to, I, that just dated rich me. and the, famous. The, yeah. the, the fact that I said that <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, but, um, but yeah, that we don't have to be famous. Right. And so I just, I think when you look back at history, you see what it's really all about. Mm-hmm. And that when that you'll be remembered for the, just the great person that you are, that that's the more important thing than all of the, you know, accolades that you get from the world or, you know, or the fame or, or whatever it happens to be. And I think that's why no matter what happens to me, I feel like I don't want that to be who I am. I don't want my children to be like, Oh, that's who my mom. And she's, she's <laughs> this, 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 I want it to be about who we are as a family. And, and I always try to put that as the top number one, even though there's things I have to do to speak here or there or whatever. But anyway, so let's talk about a couple of other things that we can do. So um, visit the graves. That's another one. We already mentioned that. That's a good one. But also do activities your ancestors did. So your ancestors, like if they're like mine, they made their own homemade ice cream. So make your own. Or just heat it up. Yeah, and then heat it up and see what happens and then go, wow, that was amazing. Right. But you know, I mean, we have some ancestors who were boxers, like mm-hmm. like big time boxers. Okay, so try on some boxing gloves, hit a box, you know, a, a, a bag. Take a boxing lesson or yeah, or something, or go watch a boxing match or or watch some old time matches, you know, mm-hmm. or something. I mean, there's one person that I found in in our family genealogy who um died digging a well. Okay. Horrible, sad, tragic. Yeah, I know. I know. Super sad, but he died digging a well. And I found this in his obituary. There was a story of how he did. And I thought, I kind of want to learn how they dug wells. Like I want to mm-hmm. really, I mean, I know it's a hole. Like, okay. Well, this I get what, like, that. Hazardous was. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. So what did you have to do to make sure you didn't die digging <laughs> a well that he did not know, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think we realized that like they would bring a candle down with them, right. To like do the oxygen. And if the candle went out, then there was no oxygen and they had to go back up or else they would die. Yeah, exactly. See, we looked it up. Yeah. We look, and so clearly he, I don't know if the rope didn't reach or what, <laughs> what it was, but he did not get out and he died. And, and it just makes you, you know, learn so many things about the, 
the past. So, so do activities or look into activities that your ancestors did. It's super interesting. Mm -hmm. And it's another way to feel close to them. So this whole conversation that we've been having is all about deepening your child's sense of identity. And I hope that you're seeing that if you want your child to know truly who they are, the self-evident hundred percent truth of who you are, you cannot break that away from the people who came before you. Even if they're not perfect, that's still a, a little bit or a little piece of who you are. It's true that you can choose to pave a new path mm -hmm. for yourself and to change your bonds with people. But really at the end of the day, that identity is all about your relationships, mm -hmm. your relationship to your family. And then that forms your relationship to God, your relationship to your community and your relationship to your country and to your world. And boy, more than ever, do our children need to know who they are and, and not get caught up in just all of the fluff and likes of, you know, oh, I like this or people like me or, you know, mm -hmm. or whatever, where that's not even relevant. Yeah. So that's a really big flaw of like social media as well, because you're worried about, okay, I just made a post. Who's going to like it? Or oh, I just like someone's post. Did they see it? Well, okay. Yeah. And it's not funny because that's not even a real relationship. A real no. relationship goes back to the truth of who you guys really are, not just, did you please somebody today? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, I mean, really social media is like killing social. I, I mean, it's just so weird and it's hurting our identities. Not that, you know, I mean, I do it. Okay. I do it. I'm there. I have yeah. a presence on there, but I do think it's interesting. It's you ironic. Don't, you don't put it first, which is the thing. So like you actually, if you want to connect with someone, you'll call them or you'll text them, you know, instead of looking them on Facebook and liking something they posted. Right. Uh, yeah, true. In fact, I do just call people a lot and I've noticed some of them don't answer but not <laughs> because they're we just, okay. yeah, exactly. Paige, <laughs> because they're just like not even used to looking at their phones to answer. It's yeah. We're, we're like in this weird time where we only talk to people when we're just good and ready and we do it our way and all that kind of, which I guess can be liberating in some ways, but it also is it, different. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we will not take that tangent we're not going there well done. yeah <laughs> even though that could be fun well we'll save that for another day but I hope that you will take some time to really look at who you are. Maybe, maybe get a little bit of the bug yourself, pull out some old shoe boxes of some of that memorabilia that's been floating around or it's yeah. up in the attic and pull it down and take a look and, and show it to the children and start looking into who your family really is so that they can become more secure with who, I, who they are, no matter what happens around them. Yeah. Or start telling your stories as bedtime stories. That's what I loved. I remember there's, once I got to like, I think it was like seven or eight, and I asked my mom, you know, to tell me stories from her life for bedtime stories. And one that I remember and love to no end is she was a teenager. So you were a teenage mom and you were on the beach and you were finding crawdads in the sand. And then you thought it would be so funny to put all these crawdads into a chip bag and put it on the table for people to have. And then a few hours later, you went to go to the refreshment table and you just saw those chips and you thought they looked so good. 
you put your hand in there and there's a bunch of dead crawdads in the chip bag. <laughs> it's true. I tricked myself. That was, it was very bad. I thought it was such a good joke too. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It was sun chips. I yes. didn't, for a while I couldn't eat sun chips just because of that strange, gross. Yeah. That was a thing. That's like my favorite story. That you told me all time. It means nothing except for be very careful that you don't trick yourself yes. when you're doing a prank on other people. But yeah, no, you, I remember you saying, mom, tell me a story from your life and you would want a story from my life for bedtime. And so maybe start jotting them down. You have stories from your your life they may be about silly things but tell the children because the they those are the things that they want to know they, the things that they remember honestly you know i'm good example of that yeah that's true and so anyway tell your stories about yourself tell your stories about your ancestors and they will become the stories of your children so which is beautiful thank you so much for joining us on the teaching self-government podcast if you would like to learn more information about the things that we teach uh things like self-government right and like um overcoming some of those troubling behaviors finding calmness bonding as a family definitely check out the teaching self-government parenting course it is on teachingselfgovernment.com we will talk to you again next time bye-bye Bye. You've been listening to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. For more information and resources to help unite your family, visit teachingselfgovernment.com.